Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, and we have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan, and I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 24 of Fireside. It is my great pleasure to be coming to you, as always, from the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios. 24 episodes. We're really ramping up now, aren't we? Uh, we're re- take that again. We are dealing with mythology again today. We are diving right back into the Fenian cycle. Uh, it is a story that, to me, this was a recent enough discovery. This tale. This wasn't one I knew beforehand, and I doubt you could even say it's the climax or the. Um, yeah, no, the climax of the Fenian cycle. But to me, I think it might, dare I say it, might actually be the best story of the Fenian cycle. It's It's got complexity, it's got originality, it's a wonderful, wonderful tale. And I hope you enjoy it yourselves, and hopefully you see exactly what I'm talking about. You know, from the title, it is called The Pursuit of Dermot and Grania. So there might be a slight irony that this might be the strongest story of the Fenian cycle, and it is a story that Fionn McCool is not even the central character of. Much like any Doctor Who fans will agree that possibly the best episode of David Tennant's period of Doctor Who, um, and possibly the greatest episode of all time, is the episode Blink, quite famously so. The introduction of the Weeping Angels, uh, Stephen Moffat's great, great addition to the franchise in which Doctor Who barely appears himself. So that's what I think of this. I think that is where the similarities to Blink and, in general, Doctor Who end with this tale, but that was a comparison that jumped into my head there. It is the day I'm recording this. We are finally getting some beautiful May weather. It is finally looking like summer might be coming, even for the briefest of moments, to lovely Ireland. Last week, I have to say... Uh, this will probably come out about a week week or two after I'm recording this. But my God, last week we just had these this wave of a couple of days where it wasn't just overcast. I mean, Ireland is obviously used to overcast and rain, but it was heavy. It was a low cloud. It was it was proper depression weather. Like and it 
it seemed to be everyone, everyone around me, everyone seemed to be suffering because of it. And I got absolutely knocked for six out with a flu. Regular listeners of this show will know that I am always sick, uh, at least somewhat, but I was properly, properly unwell last week. And I feel like I'm just over the worst of it now. So I'm back in the studio, ready to deliver you your weekly story time goodness. Speaking of regular listeners, if this is your first time, you are very welcome along to the Fireside family. We hope you enjoyed and we hope you stick around. After you've listened to this story, why don't you go right back to the beginning if you enjoy it and see what we're building up to here, the nice bit of a rhythm we've got going. And if you are a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. If you wish to contact me, you can follow me and and message me on Instagram at Olohansolo, O-L-O-H-A-N-S-O-L-O, all one word. Or if you want to support the podcast, we are hoping to take this podcast live, you can do so on the Patreon. If you want to go to patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast let's get right into the meat and two veg we can chat more afterwards but let's get back into mythology back into the fenian cycle this is the pursuit of dermod and Gráinne on fireside the pursuit of dermod and Gráinne Fionn McCool was the greatest warrior the Fianna of Ireland had ever known. But as mighty as he was, Fionn was still mortal. And as it does with all mortals, time took its toll. However, even when Fionn had become peppered with age, and his son Ushin was fully grown, and had become a fully-fledged member of the Fianna, still no man alive could beat him. But the most formidable warrior to ever serve under Fionn was Dermid O'Donn. Dermid's mother had two sons, each by a different man. Far from being a shame or a secret, Dermid was raised by his father, Don, alongside his half-brother, who was the son of a man named Rock. As they grew, it became quite clear that Dermid was adventurous and brave, while the son of Rock was shy and timid. This all ended in tragedy, as one day, while the two were out playing, they were approached by a wild boar. While Dermot attempted to face off against the beast, the son of Rock immediately ran, crying home. Dermot's father, Don, heard the children's cries and ran to their aid, but when the son of Rock found him, the meek child cowered between Don's legs. Don was a mighty man and accidentally crushed the child's skull like a sparrow's egg between his thighs. When Rock came upon the broken body of his only son, he was engulfed in grief and rage. He swore revenge, but knew he was not strong enough to kill Don and would not get away with murdering his son. So Rock devised a more poetic, cunning and elaborate vengeance for his boy. With the help of a local druid, Rock was able to resurrect his son in the form of the very thing that had led to his death, a wild boar. Rock put a gassa on the pig. A gassa was a type of spell, like a curse or a forced view, that shaped the destinies of both heroes and their enemies. Rock's gassa on his son was that the pig would one day kill Dermod O'Donn. He then released the boar back into the wild. But to ensure his son's success and safety, Rock also put Agyasa on Dermot, that as long as he lived, 
the boy would never be able to pierce the skin of a pig. Dunn lamented greatly the tragic accident he had caused, and repeatedly tried in vain to make amends with Rock. When he learned of the Gassa put upon his only son Dermot, Dunn made his son's protection his top priority. He sought the help of the Tua de Danon, from whom Dunn was a descendant. To his aid came two of the greatest of the men of Dia, Manonin Maclear, the god of the sea, and Angus Og, the god of love. The gods took Dermot into their care, and he became their foster son. They took Dermot to the other world, and together with the warrior woman Mongfin, raised the boy to be kind and loyal, but also a fierce and mighty warrior. Hang on a sec. When Dermot was grown, he subjected himself to the trials of the Fianna and easily worked his way into the close ranks of Fionn Macool. Fionn had never seen a warrior like Dermot. He was about the same age as his own son, Oshin, but was stronger, faster, and even Fionn had to admit it, better looking. Because Angus Og had raised him, Dermot was irresistible to any woman who laid eyes on him. This worried Fionn. He trusted Dermot's loyalty, but worried that if he ever fell in love, his loyalty would be compromised. Fionn still lamented the loss of his own wife, Sive, who had been transformed into a deer and lost in the woods. Fionn had not married since, and completely devoted himself to the Fianna and the service of Ireland. At this time, the High King at Tara was Cormac MacArt. Despite having the sworn loyalty of all of the Fianna, Cormac feared Fionn. Fionn was by far the greatest and most powerful man in Ireland, and MacArt became paranoid that the Fianna would want Fionn as their king and depose or even murder MacArt himself. Fionn knew of this mistrust, and it broke his heart. Fionn McCool's word was his bond. The Fianna were his life, and the Fianna were bound to serve Ireland and the High King at Tara. He was hurt that this devotion was doubted. To make peace with MacArt, Fionn made a proposal. Fionn would marry the king's daughter. Cormac MacArt was ecstatic at this request. He would make a son-in-law of a potential enemy. But first, he would have to get his daughter's permission. The daughter of Cormac MacArt just so happened to be the most beautiful and desirable woman in all of Ireland. Her name was Gráinne, which comes from the Irish for the sun. Gráinne regularly had many eligible suitors, but she refused the advances of every single one. Her father loved her and respected his daughter's wishes. He vowed to never force marriage on Gráinne for any reason. His daughter could marry whomsoever she wanted. There was a reason Gráinne was so selective about a potential husband. When she had been young, Gráinne had gone with her father to watch a game of hurling. The captain of the team had been a boy of about her age, and as she watched him run with the wind blowing the hair from his face and pelt the schlitter with a mighty swing of his hurl, Gráinne fell madly and irrevocably in love. This is an effect that hurlers still have on country girls to this very day. 
Grania never got the name of her love and never saw him again after that day. But she vowed to herself to never marry anyone else. Grania was not only fair, but iron-willed and always got what her heart desired eventually. The king came to his daughter and said, Daughter, I have always respected your wishes and desires. An endless parade of men have asked for your hand in marriage, and an endless parade of men have left Tara without that hand. But I have had an offer. I do not think it can be beaten. The leader of the Fianna, Fionn Macool. Gráinne knew well about the escapades of Fionn. His beauty was almost as renowned as his skill in battle. And even though she did not know if she would be able to love him, Gráinne saw the way her father was when he was asking, and knew that this was a match he desperately wanted. So Gráinne thought, if she was doomed to never find her true love, then there could not possibly be a better consolation than Fionn Macool. Father, you have given me so much, and asked so little in return. It's time for me to show my devotion to you. Even if I cannot love him, for you, I will marry Fionn. Cormac MacArt was overjoyed, and the wedding was hastily organized. Every member of the Fianna was invited to Tara for the feast to end all feasts. Fionn chose his closest comrades to stand with him at the ceremony. His son Ushin, his cousin Hounds Bran and Shkolan, and his devoted soldier Dermid O'Dun. However, Fionn never actually met Gráinne before they were to be married. When all were gathered at Tara, Gráinne peered down into the great hall to steal a glance at her husband-to-be. He looked older than her father. She had lived her entire life hearing of the beauty and accomplishments of Fionn Macool, but never actually considered what age he must be now. She saw Fionn's son, Ushin, who looked much more her age and was puzzled as to why she wasn't being wed to him. But then, Gráinne saw the other man standing with Fionn and Ushin. Dermot. He was the most beautiful man Gráinne had ever seen. And then she realised it. Dermot was the boy she had watched hurling all those years ago. He was the love of her life. She had never been so sure of anything. But what was Gráinne to do? She was to marry Fionn that very day. But Gráinne never did anything she had no desire to do. She went into the kitchens and with a healthy mix of various herbs brewed a sleeping potion into the ale. She ensured that a cup of the brew was given to every person at Tara with the exception of Dermot. The plan was a wholesale success as great warrior after great warrior dropped like babies including the High King himself and Fionn Macool. Dermot watched in shock as his brothers fell. He believed them to be poisoned and didn't know why he still stood. They're not dead, just sleeping, came the voice of Gráinne from the back of the hall. What's happened them? said the incredulous Dermot, looking around. Who are you? I wanted us to have a private word with each other, and what with the wedding and all, I didn't think that seemed likely, so this seemed like a good idea. What private words did you want with me? Don't be coy, Dermot. It's not like you. 
I've never met you before. Who are you? Do you really not remember me? You are an incredible beauty. I, I believe I would have remembered meeting you. I think you have me confused at someone else. Oh no, Dermot. I've been waiting for you so many years. You are unmistakable. I suppose it's no wonder you don't remember me. We didn't actually meet that day. I saw you playing a hurling match when we were both children. I'd never seen anything so ravishing before or since. I've loved you since that day, and now I've found you. Run away with me. I don't even know your name. It's Gronje. The princess? Yes, my love. I can't marry Fionn. My heart belongs to another, and you are him. Fionn is the greatest warrior and most desired bachelor in all of Ireland. You couldn't ask for a better husband. He's also old enough to be my father. There's plenty of women out there more suited to him. Our marriage was for political reasons, not romantic. Most marriages are for political reasons. Well, I refuse to be most marriages. I shall marry for love. And I love you. And you love me. I never said that. You said I was beautiful. Yes, but what I want doesn't come into it. I am loyal to Fionn. He is not only my commander, but my friend. He's like family. I could never betray him. No one betrays him. You sound like you're afraid of him. You should be afraid of him. There's no child in our country who doesn't know the things he's done. I'm not afraid of him. I put a spell on him quite easily. And I have you. Run away with me. Tonight. You don't have me, and I will not. Dearmud, my love, there's one thing you should already know by now. If we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, I'll do anything to get what I want. And Gronya muttered an enchantment which bewitched Dearmud and bent him to her will. The warrior was still torn apart at betraying Fionn, but he was powerless to resist Gronya. He would have hated to admit it, but she was right. The moment he saw her, he had fallen in love with her. The two made their escape and fled from Tara. When Fionn and the rest of the Fianna and the court at Tara all awoke from their slumber, he was incensed with rage. No one had ever betrayed him like this. One of his own men, and not just any of his men, but Dermot, the greatest of any of them, the one who had been like a second son to him. Such actions could not be ignored. The Fianna had to be strong, and their leader all-powerful. Fionn would hunt Dermot and Gráinne down and slay them both. He rallied his whole clan, and with Ushin, Bran, and Skolan by his side, began the pursuit. The madly in love Gráinne and the torn Dermot ran as fast as they could. But Gráinne was unused to hard travelling, and asked Dermot to carry her. Dermot refused. If you're tired already, we should just go back. It's not too late. Be a man and fight for what you want. There was only one person who Dermot felt he could turn to now. His foster father, the god of love, Angus Oak. The god of love came to the lovers and was delighted with what he saw. 
This is wonderful. A pair of star-crossed lovers, torn between duty and love. Music to my perfect ears. You'll help us then, said Dermot. Of course I will, boy. I raised you, your family. All this kind of love is what I'm all about. But I'm not naive, either. You have angered a mortal that many of my people would be right to fear. And Fionn will have the backing of many of the two of Danon. So you cannot let your guard down even for a second. You must keep moving constantly. Never sleep where you eat or eat where you sleep, or he will catch you. Fionn pursued the two for many months, but Diarmid and Gráinne always evaded him. Fionn did keep finding little pieces of raw meat and fish left in each former nesting place, a sign from Diarmid to his commander to let him know that he and Gráinne had not lain with each other. Not that that was any consolation to Fionn. It was something that meant a great deal, however, to Gráinne. One day the two were crossing a river, and as the little wave splashed between Gráinne's thighs, she said, Oh, even this river is more of a man than you. This was too much for Dermot to take. What more do you want from me? I have run away with you. I protect you every single day. But still you wish you hadn't. You still feel loyalty to Fionn. I respect that. I even find it attractive, but only up to a point. At a certain point, you have to stand by your decision. You're here with me. I'm the most beautiful and desired woman in Ireland, and you have my love. Surely that matters more than some allegiance to a bunch of cutthroats and bodyguards. I know I put a gas on you to come with me, but that was only to help you make a decision I worried you couldn't make on your own. Stop punishing me for it. Diamond realized she was right. He did want to be there. He did want her. He hated that he had to hurt Fionn to do it. But it was time to stop punishing both Gráinne and himself for what was already done. He married Gráinne that very day, and they made love beneath the stars in a field in the Irish countryside. But because they were together... It could have been the most lavish room of the wealthiest castle. And Diarmid never left a sign for Fionn again. Soon Gráinne became pregnant. And like many expectant women, she developed a voracious and unusual appetite. The thing Gráinne desired was the juicy red berry of the rowan tree. Diarmid left her to go find them. He found an enormous tree before too long, but soon found it belonged to a giant. Unafraid, Diarmid marched right up to the monster. Hello, sir. My wife is pregnant and we are on the run. She is hungry. May I have some food from your land? For your wife, you may have anything from my land, except my rowan berries. Oh, that is unfortunate. It's the rowan berries she desires. Well, she may not have them. They are a delectable and rare treat for me and me alone. Sir, I promised my wife I would get them. And? And? Dermot leapt up, drew his sword, and sliced off the giant's head. 
as the great beast's body thumped to the ground and his head rolled down the hill like the schlitter Dermot had played with as a child, he thought about what he had done. Dermot was never quick to anger or violence. He killed when duty demanded it. But he would do anything for Gráinne. She and their unborn child. They were now his duty. Dermot went back to where Gráinne was and carried her to the rowan tree. They climbed its branches to where the giant's bed was and for the first time in nearly a year the two lovers stayed somewhere for more than a day. This was, of course, a mistake. As a tragic coincidence would have it, and tragic coincidences are what myths are all about, Fionn McCool had a similar taste for the berry of the rowan tree. They were a comfort food to him, and the stress of his pursuit gave him a ravenous craving. Clan Morna, the biggest subsection of the Fianna, together with Clan Baskna, which Fionn was leader of, like his father, Cool, before him, had never been in the favour of Fionn. Their two factions were historical enemies, and it had been Gull, the leader of Clan Morna, who had murdered Cool, and who had to be deposed before Fionn could avenge his father. So the remaining members of Clan Morna always sought the deed that could win Fionn's favour. Fionn gathered the Morna one night and said, If you can find and behead Dermot O'Dunn, I shall forgive you all and take you into my heart. If you cannot do that, bring me the fruit of the rowan tree. Well, that certainly couldn't help your case. Picking berries doesn't sound so hard. It doesn't, does it? Well, it just so happens that these berries are guarded by a bloodthirsty, selfish, and downright mean giant. Off you go. It wasn't long before Clan Morna returned to inform their leader that the giant had been killed. Only I, or Dermot, could have killed that giant. And if one or both of them has tasted rowan berries, they won't be able to resist them again. We'll camp beneath that tree. Fionn and Oshin went to the rowan tree and waited for the lovers. To pass the time, they began to play chess. Oshin had never beaten his father. Little did they know that Dermot and Gráinne were in the tree above. Dermot could not help himself but look on from the treetop. He himself was a master chess player and had not played in so long. He watched Oshin agonize over every single move, but if he ever saw him about to make a mistake, Dermot would drop a berry on the square he thought Oshin should move to. In a few moves, Oshin had won. Fionn was thick as the wall, but was far too clever not to see the truth. He gave a suck of his thumb that gave him the knowledge of the world. Only Dermot could have beaten me at chess. I'm right here, Dad, said Oshin. Poor Oshin. Fionn took out his greatsword and with two almighty hacks chopped down the rowan tree. Dermot and the heavily pregnant Gráinne crawled out to safety. You just couldn't help yourself, could you, Dermot? said Fionn. I guess not. Well, I hope you enjoyed that victory because it was your last. There's no running this time. I'm not running anymore. I ask for mercy. Mercy? After all I've done for you, and all you did to me. I made you one of the highest-ranking members of the Fianna. 
you were to stand by my side at the wedding, and then you steal my bride. You don't love her. I do. Love. You hadn't even met her. You did it just to undermine me. That's not true, said Gronya. Diarmid loves you, Fionn. In fact, for a long time I was jealous of the love and loyalty he had for you. He agonized about it every step of the way. He still did it, though, didn't he? Only because I put a gas on him. I made him. Kill me. No, said Diarmid. She did put a gas on me, that much is true. But I do love her, and have since the moment I saw her. Fionn, you told me once you fell in love with your beloved Scythe the second she became human. Why is it so hard to believe that the same happened to me? My love did not come at the price of duty. I am the leader of the Fianna. If I spare you, my entire authority is undermined. They'll tear me apart. I'm not as young as I once was. I won't be able to fight my enemies forever. But I still can now. I'm pregnant, Fionn. You can see that. I've known every story about you since I was a child. You grew up never knowing your father. Don't put my child through that as well. And Fionn thought of his own mother, and of his dead father, and of his own son. He dropped his sword and let the couple live. And Dermot and Gráinne never had to run again. Over the years, Gráinne bore Dermot four sons. They lived at Tara. Dermot rejoined the Fianna and eventually even grew close to Fionn again. Dermot, Fionn and Oshin went hunting one day. And from the wilderness appeared a wild boar. You can have that one, Dermot, said Fionn, unaware of the gasa that prevented Dermot from ever piercing the skin of a pig. Dermot froze to the spot and was powerless as the boar that had once been his half-brother attacked and gored him, spilling his bloody entrails onto the forest floor. Dermot grabbed a rock and broke the boar's skull, but the beast had already mortally wounded him. As Dermot lay dying, he called for Fionn. Fionn, my friend, my commander, please help me. Because he had eaten the salmon of knowledge, anyone who drank water from the hands of Fionn McCool was healed. Fionn ran to the nearest stream and scooped water between his hands, but as he reached the dying Dermid, a wave of bad memory flooded Fionn's mind. He remembered what Dermid had done to him, and the water slipped through his fingers. When he realized what had happened, Fionn ran back to the stream and cupped more water into his hands. But as he brought the water to Dermot's lips, he just couldn't bring himself to allow his former rival to drink. The water slipped through Fionn's fingers again. Suddenly, Fionn felt a blade at his neck. It was Oshin's. Father, I know you have always considered Dermot a better fighter than me. I'm sure there are times when you have wished he was your son and not me. But I will murder you where you stand and bury you both if you do not save this man's life. Fionn felt awful. Oshin was right, and he was determined to make amends. 
He rushed to the stream a third time, but when he returned, it was too late. Dermod was dead. The gasa had been fulfilled, and Fionn McCool, whether he wanted it or not, and no matter how much he would regret it in the future, had his revenge. To be continued. Oh, there we have it. The Pursuit of Dermot and Gráinne. That is, I think, the longest story we have had on Fireside. It certainly was the longest to write. It was... I was nearly going to split that into two episodes, but I thought to hell with that. I love when the stories are longer. That's what this podcast is all about. It is the stories themselves. The awkward banter with me at the aftermath is just... So I feel that that I'm coming across myself, that you, the listeners, you know, you get to know me as a storyteller as well. And, and also, I, th- I think it's important to have a non-scripted stage. Um, but the stories are what we're really here for, and what a tale this is. This is, this is complex. This has themes and sub-themes and actions and consequences. This is... This is almost more like a more contemporary fantasy story, and thousands and thousands of years old. We have Fionn, like with Lou, my favourite character of the early myths, we have Fionn in not the most, well, not not an unfavourable light, but just not more at the side and more vengeful and hurt and wounded, which is brilliant because Fionn McCool and Lou and, to a lesser extent, Cucullin, Cucullin does a lot of bad shit, um, <laughs> you see him be not Superman. You know, you see complexity to him, flaw to him, which is what is interesting about characters and what we're more and more fascinating today in a more contemporary sense. And that's what I particularly love about this. Grania is such an amazing character. She's such a wonderfully fascinating character. Well, my biggest challenge to doing this adaptation was... I had a lot of different sources, of course, my usual source with the Lady Gregory, Book of Irish Mythology, but then several websites that I've become more and more um, sourceful with. Uh, Bard Mythologies is a big one. It's beautiful, beautifully contemporarily written versions of the myths that I've plucked different elements from. But the trickiest thing with Grania, and I hope that I have conveyed this more than anything else with this episode, is to try and make her more of a sympathetic character. There are some of the versions of this story. Because she does. She puts a curse on him. She puts a curse on on Dermot, and there's no way of getting around that. You know, all the versions are the same in that, and I find that very interesting as well. But that... The curse is important because this is a story about love and duty, that incredible theme of duty versus love. And it is her that gives Dermot that impulse and that just that kick in the arse to come with her and gases like gases make a first appearance here that's gases were not something i had an over familiarity with and they are in abundance here and apparently they do become more and more there's a lot of gases in the ulster cycle as well but they seem to be quite a big thing quite a convenient plot device they are similar to the druid wand where you just take it out but that's what's wonderful about myths and folktales isn't it i try to where possible bridge bridge the logic gaps that can sometimes appear case in point at the end of the pursuit when with the chess game between Ushin and Dermot he just forgives him 
there's no conversation. It's just eventually, like they actually have the four children while still on the run. They're on the run for years and years and years. And eventually just Fionn forgives them and that's all we have on it. And I thought, a reason. And I thought that was a very reasonable reason because Fionn did grow up without a mother or a father, really. You know, his mother was in his life a bit. But it would stand to reason that because Grania was already pregnant that he would spare the two of them. But I love this ending. It's the it's one of my favorite images I've ever come across. The image of Fionn with the water in his hands, cupping it to his his healing hands, apparently so, and letting it slip through his fingers and asking that question, can you truly ever forgive someone for doing something like that? This is years and years later. Everyone's older. Everyone's grown up. And Fionn just couldn't bring himself to do it. The idea of Ushin actually putting the sword to his neck. Because there's there's three different versions of that. There's a version where they go hunting and Ushin puts the sword to the neck. There's a version where Ushin doesn't and Fionn just goes for the third time. And by the time he gets back, he's already dead. And it's left more ambiguous as to whether he could have the third time or not. And there's versions where Fionn never forgives him at all. And the boar happens while they are still on the pursuit. Which, it was just more of a bleak ending. I thought it was more interesting making Fionn more of the character. Because he's not really as much a character in it until the end. He's just on the hunt. But what wonderful fantasy elements. I always love a good giant. A giant's always a good addition. We haven't had a proper giant since... Fionn McCool himself in the very, very first episode when he becomes a giant and builds the giant's causeway. But that Fionn as a giant in that story and Ben and Donner, they just seem like more mighty, mighty creatures, like just giant men. Whereas the giant in this tale, certainly how I see him, I see him much more ogreish, cyclopsy, much more classic fantasy. And I love that. I love the element of the Rowan Berries and the voracious appetite. It's nice to see Ushin will, of course, become more and more of a character now as we enter these last few tales of the Fenian cycle. And it's lovely to see poor old Ushin, you know? It's lovely to see that he does stand up for himself in this. And this is our first real... We haven't really got to know him yet, considering that he is the one, he is the poet who tells all the tales of his father and grandfather and of his own life. And we have this competitor almost for his father's love this perfect model Dermid being raised by these two gods shout out of course to Engus Og the god of love is one of the two of the Danon that we never really got a good look at we've mentioned him a couple of times but aside from the dream of Engus which is the basis of one of my very very favorite poems from W.B. Yeats's early romantic stage. It's called uh, The Song of the Wandering Angus. Christy Moore made a song of it as well. I don't know if he did was the original of that version, but it's the version I know. But it's a gorgeous, gorgeous poem. Uh, and it's about Angus Oak, the god of love, going fishing and uh, catching a little trout. And the trout turns into a beautiful girl. And she runs away and Angus spends the rest of eternity looking for her. It's a beautiful, simple little love story. Wasn't wasn't meaty enough, unfortunately, to do an entire episode on as I had originally hoped. But a gorgeous 
story and an absolutely glorious poem if you haven't read it already. I would read it out now myself, but we actually are running over time because we had such a meaty, meaty tale. So I'm trying to think if there is anything else majorly I want to talk about before we wrap it up for another week. No, yes, I suppose I never really... I glanced over that a little bit. With Grania. I wanted... I wanted it to be the the two of their decisions. I didn't want it to, that Grania was this shrewish witch, you know, that she had just cursed him and that he wouldn't have done it. She was able, she was powerful enough and, and knew she was right and trusted her own love that much. And, like, it isn't pretty. Love, love in this case isn't pretty and it shouldn't be. And that's what's so interesting. It isn't just that they instantly fell madly in love with her. No, she cursed him. She forced him to go away with her. And then the love came after. But I love that complexity. And I hope that she was redeemed because I, I don't see her as a villain. I don't see a villain in this story, which again is brilliant. That's such a con- more contemporary story point of view for a story so old as it is. I feel bad that we never really... We we don't really get to know Grania more at the end, just the end of Dermot. I mean, Dermot's story does bookend the tale, including the incredible story at the beginning of him and his brother, and his brother dying because he went through the legs of Dermot's dad. And shout out for any Street Fighter fans and in by indirect Wreck-It Ralph fans... Because the greatest percent, the greatest line in that movie is when they have the Villains Anonymous scene at the beginning with Zangief from Street Fighter, who is my player of choice, my character of choice in Street Fighter. He says, uh, Zangief, I think if you are not a bad guy, who will crush men's skull with, like Sparrow's egg between thighs? And when I encountered a tale where a child gets killed between a man's legs. Who else could you think of but Zangief and him crushing a man's skull like a sparrow's egg? And there's going to be no better way to wrap it up than that. This was episode 24 of Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do, if you're enjoying, please do continue to subscribe on iTunes, to leave ratings and comments. Please do uh, follow me on Instagram at Olahan Solo. Message me if you have any requests or anything. Support the page on Patreon forward slash Fireside Podcast. Any and all contributions would be so greatly appreciated. I love doing this. I'd love to take this podcast live and reach its full potential. Thank you so much to the folks here at the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios. It's great to be recording it here once more after all my travels. And thank you to Jamie, my producer, for continuing to make this podcast sound lovely. I will wrap it up there. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I have been your Fireside Bard. I will see you all. You will hear me all next week on Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.